to remake us, to renew us, to deliver us, to make us whole. Come on, what a message we have. What a hope we have for a lost world, for a helpless world, that there is hope. There is hope in God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you thanks, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Turn to a few people. Turn to a few people. Just let them know you're glad that they're here this morning. Come on, let them know. You don't know what that person needs. God knows what they need this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. you may be seated. Thank you. Thank you, team. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. All the time. Amen. We magnify him. Let's open up in our Bibles to Daniel chapter 11. I want to share a message with you that I've entitled Life's Greatest Pursuit. Life's Greatest Pursuit is Knowing God. If you see up that says, Know God, Be Strong, and Take Action, that is found in Daniel. Chapter 11, verse 32, the Bible says, The people, the people who know their God will be strong and they will do exploits, so they will take action. Notice in the scriptures that being strong, taking action, flows, it flows out of knowing God. It flows out of knowing God. If you are going to be strong in these last days, if you are going to be discerning, if you are going to be wise, if you're going to be able to take positive action, you are going to have to know God. I believe this morning there is no greater pursuit than the pursuit of knowing God. Amen? A.W. Toza, a great uh, preacher, a, a theologian of a past generation, said that no church will be greater than its concept of God. No church will be greater than its concept of God. Meaning, the bigger and the greater your concept of God is, the bigger and the greater your church is going to be, your life is going to be, our impact is going to be. Everything is predicated on knowing who God is. An esteemed author and theologian by the name of J.I. Packer wrote a book entitled knowing God. And I want to just quote, big enough objective, something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance, and this the Christian has in the way that no other person has. For what higher and more exalted and more compelling gold can be than to know God? He starts, uh, he, he states, um, with helping the reader to understand the importance of studying God as the normal part of a Christian's daily walk. And he said this, how can we claim to be followers of God if we don't know who and what he is? 
Let me say, say that again. I believe it's a, it's a powerful, powerful statement. How can we claim to be followers of God if we don't know who and what he is? Again, everything is, is predicated upon knowing who God is, knowing God personally. You know, it's just cool the way God works. This morning, I open up in my daily Bible reading, and I was just blown away, and I just said, Lord, thank you for just the confirmation. I open up February, today is February 25th, right, the last time I checked? Yes. And in my daily Bible reading, it was Psalm 27, and that's one of the verses I'm going to refer to later. But on the very page, how many of you have the one-day uh, read through the Bible by uh, uh, the blue cover, the blue cover one. Um, if you read it this morning, I won't, I won't ask. I know some of you raised your hand, but I won't ask if you read it today. But on the first, the, 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 this very day, the answer to life's question, that's one of the headings. It says, how can I get to really know God? And I said, wow, isn't that awesome? What a confirmation, as if I needed one. Because we know the life's greatest pursuit is to get to know who God is. This morning, I want to share with you, because of how critical it is, everything is based upon knowing God. Our faith is based upon the degree that we know who God is and what he has done. Our hope our past, our present, our future, everything as a Christian is founded upon knowing God, knowing his person, knowing his character, knowing his promises. They bring joy, they bring peace, they bring security. We're living in a day and an age where there's much insecurity in people's lives, in people's worlds. Why? Because they don't know who God is. That's why the scriptures declare the people the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits or take action. Know their God, not know about God, but they know him personally. We've used the illustration, you've heard me say it, it's not about knowing someone, uh, knowing about someone, but knowing them personally. Now let me ask you this question. Would you lend money to someone you know about or you know personally? Would you ask someone to pick you up at an airport in a foreign land that you just know about or you know personally? Would you leave someone to watch your infant child that you just know about or you know personally? You see, the way you answer that question or whether you know about someone or know them personally will determine your level of peace, your level of security, and the confidence that you have. It will be, all be based upon the degree that you personally know that individual. Isn't that true? I don't know about you, but you probably have had people in your life that you asked them to pick you up at the airport and you waited and you wondered and you weren't that secure. You were a little unsettled because you didn't know for sure if they would show up. Don't look around. 
But then there are certain people that you know that you know that you know you have the utmost confidence because you know them personally that they will be there. They will be where they said they'll be. They'll be on time. Matter of fact, they'll be early. Why? Because you know their character. You know them. You see, it's the people who know their God. Now, it's not just enough to have academic knowledge. It's not enough just to, to know, and, and, and that's important, and that's part of it, but we're talking about an intimate, experiential knowledge of God. Matter of fact, that word know in the scriptures is used in the most intimate way of a relationship with a husband and a wife. The Bible says that Adam knew his wife and they gave birth. What was it speaking of? It was speaking of an intimacy. And when God talks about knowledge or knowing him, it's talking about a close, intimate relationship, a personal relationship. In this verse, in Daniel chapter 11, the context, we went over it last week. I won't take time to get into it, but, but we see that there were those who were corrupted, those who were deceived. They became unfaithful to God. And we see that those who knew their God were strong and they did exploits. So what's the contrast here? The contrast is between knowing God and just knowing about him. The contrast is here that you're more capable and more vulnerable to being deceived and being cast aside and missing out with God if you just know about him or whether you know him and you become strong and you're able to persevere and you're able to do what God's called you to do. There is a contrast there's a contrast we see, knowing about God, knowing God personally. There are those who are deceived and those who are strong. I want you to understand that in this contrast, there is no middle ground. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's no middle ground. You either get in, get out, or get run over. This is so critical because Jesus himself said, he said, you are either for me or you're against me. You're either gathering with me or you're scattering abroad. What was Jesus saying? He was saying there's no middle ground. He said a man who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. What was he saying? Uh, again, we're talking in agricultural terms of a first century in the Middle East. And what Jesus was saying was someone who put their hand to the plow, when they were plowing, what they would do, they would have a focal point in the future. They would have a focal point down the road that they would be looking at. And then they would gauge the line by that. They would just keep looking. And that would lead them in the right direction. And that would lead them in a straight line. What was Jesus saying? Jesus if you start off for me, if you put your hand to the plow, metaphorically speaking, and you begin to look back, what happens? You go in this direction. You look back, you're going in that direction. You're going to be in a crooked line. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to straighten up and fly right. Come on, I'm just trying to help you this morning. I'm preaching what the word of God says. Jesus said you're either for me or against me. Moses, as a, Moses at a critical point, he said, whoever's on the Lord's side, come right over here. Again, there was no middle ground. He said, if you're on the Lord's side, I want you to come right here and I want you to take a stand for the Lord. Again, there was no middle ground. Now, maybe there might be some of you in the church today, and please, I'm not trying to put guilt on you. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm not going to call any names out. Don't worry. I don't do that. 
I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. I'm trying to help you because Jesus said, if you keep looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom. There are many, there are, I shouldn't say many, maybe there are some here this morning. You have one foot in and one foot out. Some of you are part-time Christians. Some of you think you're on per diem. You just work when you're called in. Or you just do it one day out of, out of two or three days out of a week. That's not how it works. I talk to a lot of uh, good uh, church, uh, church people, other churches, and, and, and what I find is that when, they, when they're with other Christians, they talk a pretty good talk. But when at work, when at school, at recreation, they talk and act just like their friends who don't know God personally. Let me just say this to you. This kind or that kind of relationship will not work in the day and age we're living in. There is going to be such deception. There already is deception in our world. There already is confusion, whether it's with politics, whether it's with theology, whether it's with all kinds of lifestyles. There's so much confusion, and that kind of commitment to Jesus will not work. You've got to be all in. I want to challenge you today. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit burns this, this in your spirit, burns it indelibly into your heart. That you say this morning, I'm not playing games. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to know God, and I'm going to be strong. I'm going to have a conviction today to know God for myself. Many times when I witness to somebody that is not necessarily a follower of Jesus or even knows God that personally, as I begin to share, one of the things I say to them, I say this, I say, listen, if you are sincere, you ask God for yourself with a humble heart, with a sincere heart, say, God, if you're real, show me. God, if you're real, reveal, if, just reveal yourself to me. Let me know for myself. See, what, what, what this Christianity is about, it's not a religion. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a relationship with Almighty God. It's a connection with the divine, with the Holy One of Israel, that you and I can know God personally. It's a personal relationship, and God will speak to you. God will speak to me. God will reveal himself, and he does it primarily, most importantly, first and foremost, through his holy word. So I want you to have a conviction today that you say that I want, I'm going to know God personally. I'm going to know God for myself. In Psalm 27, verse 4, David's passion, he said, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to inquire of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord. That was David's passion. David had it all. He had, he had the wealth. He had the fame. He had everything. But you know what? To him, all those, those pursuits were secondary, were, were insignificant in comparison to the pursuit of knowing God. He said, I want to know him. It was a passion. Paul, the same thing in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I want to know him. It was his passion. You see, it's so important this morning that we understand that we need our eyes open to see who God really is. We need clarity. We need clarity. Seeing God clearly is critical. 
Isn't it true in the natural, the older we get, the, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I either need stronger glasses or I need lo a longer arm. <laughs> or I need large print Bible. <laughs> because as we get old, our vision changes. As we get old, we don't see as clearly or as well as we once did. Sometimes Pastor Mike, if he's doing some banner or he's doing some, some literature, he'll, he'll do, and I'll look at it, and, and I'll say, look at that fine print. To me, it's fine print. To him, it's large print. But Pastor Mike, there'll be a day when it'll be fine print. I say, listen, Pastor Mike, you know, we've got to make it a little bigger. You see, it's also true in the spiritual realm. A spiritual vision can change. As we walk with the Lord, our vision sometimes could get a little distorted. Our vision could, we can get a little short-sighted. Matter of fact, the Bible even speaks to that. If we forget what Jesus has done for us, we become short-sighted. We forget what God has done for us. If we don't remember, if we don't keep it in the forefront, if we don't rehearse, if we don't testify of what the Lord has done. I don't know about you, but, but I could be in a not-so-good mood, but when I begin to tell other people about what Jesus has done for me, something changes in me. Something comes alive in me. Why? Because I'm reliving. I'm remembering what the Lord has done. But as our vision begins to change, we don't see as clearly. Sometimes... We don't even know how to distinguish between right and wrong. Sometimes our vision, we walk with the Lord and, and I'm, I'm confounded. I, I just can't comprehend how some Christians don't even, are not even able to discern between what is true and false. Their vision's no longer clear. Jesus told his disciples, blessed are your eyes for the things they see. Blessed are your eyes for what they see, for many have desired to see what you see and have not been able to it. I want you to understand something this morning. You have blessed eyes. Why? Because what was Jesus saying? They saw God. They saw spiritual truth. They understood God and they understood his ways. They saw clearly. They had a revelation that changed them. They had spiritual sight that changed their life. You see, when you know God, it changes you. It doesn't just affect your mind. It affects your heart. It affects your lifestyle. When you truly know God, it will make a difference in your life. Paul the Apostle wasn't always Paul the Apostle. He started out trying to stop the gospel message. He started out persecuting new believers, those who just began, begun to believe in Jesus. He, he was imprisoning them, even consenting unto killing Christians. In Acts chapter 26, he said this, I was doing many things contrary to the name of Jesus. Maybe there are some of you here this morning, maybe in your lifestyle, maybe in your practice, maybe in, in how you live, you're doing many things that are contrary to to the name of Jesus. That's where Paul was at. But in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, he says, but when it pleased God who separated me 
from my mother's womb. And he sanctified me that he might reveal his son in me. That he might reveal his son in me. Paul had a revelation. He had an eye-opening, epic moment in time where he had divine clarity, where he saw Jesus. He saw the truth, and the truth transformed him. This morning, I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, get into the Word of God. Get to know God for yourself. He will reveal himself to you. It's not enough to watch YouTube videos. It's not enough to watch these short reels on Facebook, even though they might be good, even though they might be valuable. You need to get your face in the book. To get a revelation. Where your eyes are open, where your spirit is open to divine truth. Let me tell you, I have been walking with the Lord over 40 years, but I have had seasons in my life where things get a little distorted, a little confused. Things are not, no, not so clear, and, and, I, and I find my mind sometimes veering off and beginning to believe a little bit differently, contrary to what I really knew, know to be true. But there are moments when I hear the word of God preached. There are moments when I read the scripture and all of a sudden my heart and my mind and my spirit snap back right in to divine clarity. There are some people I have, I, I, there's one, one minister I had, had read about, I had enjoyed his preaching 30, 40 years ago. He was very anointed, he was, he was very powerful, had a large church in the United States of thousands and thousands of people, but something got a little unclear in his mind, something got a little out of focus, and, and I don't know what it was, I don't know what he was going through, but he came to a place at one point where he was once uh, on fire, once preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, once preaching the hope of salvation and he was anointed and he was powerful and he was used by God but then one day he's watching TV and he saw a lot of the suffering going on in the world and our heart should break over the suffering of those in need his heart was broken and as he's watching he begins to weep and, and he said and he said and very clearly uh, that, that, that he heard God God say to him there is no hell this is hell. And I understand how we could look at some things in the world and we can question and we can wonder, but we can never move away from the rock-solid truth of the Word of God. What God says, not what man says, not what even our emotions say, not even what we feel like, but what God says. It is so critical, and he went off track, and, and it was very tragic, and it was very sad. Why well, everything he believed in, he just, he just cast it aside, everything that he preached about, because he had this new revelation. Let me tell you, there's no new revelation. This is the only revelation. There's illumination, there's illumination of the word of God, but there's only one revelation, and that is from Genesis to Revelation of God's word. And let me tell you, we're going to see in these last days, I prophesy it, I declare it, we're going to see so much confusion as we already have, but it's going to go up to another level. It's going to ratchet up to another level that only those who know their God will be strong. Only those who know their God will be strong. The deception will be so great. Peter says in 1 Peter, I believe it's chapter 3, he said judgment will begin first in the house of God. 
And I don't know about you, but I've been hearing so much in Christianity and even churches. God is exposing things. People who are living double lives, you can't do it anymore. Because God's turning the heat up. He's getting his church ready. He's preparing us for the soon coming of Jesus Christ, for the rapture. And so he's turning the heat up. And those that live compromising, complacent lives, those that disobey the commands, those who turn away from God, God is going to expose that. Turn to the person next to you and say, I want to be on the right side. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. You see, when you have a spiritual encounter, it will forever change your life. And it will change the course of your life. For Paul, he saw clearly. He had a revelation. He knew God for himself. That became a consuming passion. A consuming passion. After 30-something years of ministry, he said, I want to know him. I want to know Christ. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and even in the fellowship of his suffering. Some of you just want to know him in the power of the resurrection, but there is no resurrection until there's a cross, until there's the fellowship of his suffering. Some of you have been experiencing the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to encourage you today. There is the power of his resurrection. There is the power of his resurrection. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you never had a revelation of God for yourself. Maybe you know about God, but you don't know him personally. I want you to understand something. It's critical because John chapter 3, Jesus, John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life that they may know the true God. You cannot be saved. You cannot know God personally. You cannot know about the eternity or, or have eternity secure in heaven unless you know who God is. And who is God but the one that's revealed in this Bible? It's been said some people miss heaven by 12 inches or 14 inches. I once heard it say by 18 inches. So yes, uh, the other day I got out a tape measure. And I went from my head to my heart. And I said, it's not 18 inches. Maybe unless you're really tall. (laughs) It's about 12 to 14 inches depending But what does that mean? Some people miss heaven by a foot or a a foot and a half. It means that they know about God in their head, but they don't know God in their heart. You see, some of you know God personally. You've had a, a spiritual revelation. You've seen clearly. But maybe this morning, like in the physical realm, your vision can change as we grow old. I'm going to ask the singers and the musicians to come forward, begin to play as I come to a conclusion. Maybe as a believer this morning, your vision has changed. You don't see as well as you once did. You see, in the natural, it's true in the spiritual. What was once clear for you has become somewhat foggy, somewhat unclear, somewhat uncertain. The convictions that you had years ago, you don't have them anymore. You've you've wavered on some basic Bible doctrine. Maybe you even, even wavered on lifestyle practices. Once you believe 
that sin was wrong and sin was unacceptable and compromise was wrong and, 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 and doing the things of the world were wrong. Now you've begun to accept them. Now, because they become so commonplace in our world, it's okay now for you to indulge in certain things. I don't want to just begin to off the cuff mention some things because I believe some things I need to explain a little more in depth. But let me tell you, there's nothing good that comes out of disobeying God. There's nothing good that comes out of sin. There's nothing good that comes out of playing it too close to the world, trying to see how much you can get away with and still be a Christian. God says, be holy for I am holy. Come out from among them. Be separate. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you unto myself and you will be my sons and my daughters and I will be your father. There's got to be a coming out. There's got to be a separation. You see, as time goes on, what happens? Life experience hurts. Bitterness. Oh, my Lord, there are some bitter people in the church. Some people who haven't gotten over what happened to them 30 years ago in the church. The pastor didn't say hi to me 30 years ago. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if, if God's real because the pastor didn't say hi. You think, you think that's, that's foolish. I've heard some funny things. I, I heard some things over my, my ministry, things that have happened in other churches. People, they get bitter. They're, they're, they get unforgiven. And they can be the most self-righteous people in the world. They think they're perfect and they're critical of everybody else. That's indicative of things in their own heart. Somebody say amen. But sometimes... In life, distractions, worldly attractions begin to, we begin to focus our eyes on the wrong things. I want you to, to get realigned. I want you to get refocused. I want you to, to see. You know, when you go to the, the eye doctor, he'll, he'll put those big things on your head and he'll, and he'll move along the different the lenses and say, Can you see now? How do you see? Can you see clearly? I want to pray this morning that, that your heart will be humble to God. You will acknowledge, God, I need your grace. God, I need your forgiveness. God, I've missed the mark. God, I've made some compromises. God, I want to see clear again. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Because what happens as time goes on? Bitterness, unforgiveness, sin. We begin to focus on the wrong things. What's your focus this morning? My wife and I, on vacation in Florida, rented e-bikes. As you know, if you ever tell me a story, I've had to ask my wife permission. I don't tell stories from the pulpit. You know, some pastors, you know, you can't tell them anything because they, you become an illustration in the next sermon. I make sure if, if I need to, I'll ask permission. So I had to ask my wife permission if I could tell this story. I ain't no fool. We're on vacation. We, we rented e-bikes, you know, those electric bikes, uh, pedal assist. They're great. You pedal, and then when you need a little boost, you kick in the electric, and you go. And so she, she was a little more tentative than I riding the bike. She wanted to get a little more secure. She was cautious. So she was riding on the sidewalk, and then it was a grassy area, and I was riding on the street in the, 
in the, in the bike lane. And so we're riding along, and um, my wife, she, she fell off the sidewalk, and she fell off the bike. Why are you laughing? God forgive you this morning. People love to laugh at our calamities. Isn't that true? She said, listen, she said, as she was driving on the sidewalk, she was looking at the drop-off where the sidewalk and the grassy area met, and she looked and she saw, she said, that's a, a drop-off. That's like a, like a little gully there, three or four inches down. And so what she said to me, she, says, she said to herself, she said, I'm going to fall into that pit. And what happened? She fell into that pit. Thank God she didn't get hurt. I think uh, her pride was hurt more than her physical body. But she said to me later, she said, I kept looking. She said, while I'm driving, I keep looking. And I, she said, I knew I was going to fall. And I said, according to your faith, so be it unto you. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But, but you, know what it's, you know what it really, it, it, it's a metaphor of or, or it relates to? The law of attraction. What you focus on, you're drawn to. It's just the reality. What you focus on. I'm telling you, we're living in a world that is bombarding us with thousands and thousands of distractions a day. And most of them are, are messages to pull us down, to pull us aside, to get us to buy things we don't need with money we don't have, to impress people we don't even like. But I'm telling you, we're, we're pulled in this direction, in that direction, and, 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 and so many are vulnerable to the things around them. I want to ask you this morning, what are you focusing on? Has your vision of God become blurred? Have you begun to focus on the wrong thing? You know, the reality of it is when you resist God, again, we have, we have gotten to the point where the world is... Uh, worn us down and, and, and diluted our convictions of sin that we no longer see things as right and wrong anymore. We've allowed so many gray areas and we think it's okay to disobey. It's okay to re resist God. It's okay to rebel. We think so many things are okay, but they're not okay. David is a prime example and I close with this and I want to I wanna ask you to pray with me before we leave this place, I want to pray for you. I want our pastors, our elders, I want us to, to pray and to help you get refocused. Help you. Maybe some of you need a revelation of God. An eye-opening experience to see God. To see the reality of his power, of his might, of his majesty, of his glory. But David, the man of God in the Old Testament, God says of David, I found David to be a man after my own heart. That was God saying that. That was the testimony of God saying, you know what, David, you have a heart like mine. You love what I love. You hate what I hate. You go right when I say go right. You do what I want you to do. You have, you have done my will in your generation. But you know what, David, being human, he did fail. And you know when he sinned, look what he said in Psalm 35, verse 10. He said this, he says, the light, 
the light has gone from my eyes. He wasn't talking about blurry vision. He wasn't talking about needing a new set of glasses. You know what David was talking about? He's saying, my sin has brought some blindness. My sin has caused the light to go out of my eyes. I don't see clearly anymore. Let me tell you, you can know a lot about the Bible. You can quote scripture. You can memorize half the Bible. But if you've got a bad heart, you're going to misconstrue and, 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 and pervert what you know. We need the combination of a good mind but a good heart, a humble heart. And David was that kind of man. When he failed, he came to God. He said, God, have mercy on me for I have sinned. God, forgive me. He didn't blame his parents. He didn't blame his pastor. He didn't blame his brothers or sisters. He took responsibility. And every one of us have to take responsibility before God. God does not forgive excuses. He forgives confession of sin. So would you stand together with me this morning? David would later pray in Psalm 119. He would say, Lord, open my eyes that I can behold wondrous things from your law. God, open my eyes. I think sometimes we should read our Bible on our knees in a posture of humility. Say, God, open my eyes. God, these truths I can't comprehend in my own wisdom. These revelations I can't get by, by just reading. I need your Holy Spirit to enlighten me. God, I humble myself before you. This morning, to see God clearly leads to knowing God clearly. Would you pray this this morning? Would you humble yourself today? And say, God, help me to see you clearly. Help me, to, help me to know you personally. To know God. The people, the people, the individuals, those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Brothers and sisters, we have no strength in and of ourselves. Our strength comes from God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As the worship team begins to, to lead in a chorus, I want to ask you to move out of your seat today. I want to ask whoever's on the Lord's side. Come on, whoever wants to gather, whoever wants to draw closer to Jesus, whoever wants to know him, Let's make it our conviction for 2024 that we're going to know God, that we're going to know Him. No matter how difficult the world gets, no matter how crazy the world gets, we're going to know God, we're going to be strong, and we're going to do exploits. We're going to take action in Jesus' name. As they begin to sing, would you come forward? Would you come in humility? doesn't matter where you're at. You could be a visitor be here for 20 years it doesn't matter but you just say before God Lord it's me in the need of prayer it's me I need my eyes to be open I need I need clearer vision amen as we begin to sing would you come we'll pray with you we'll pray for you in Jesus name blessed assurance Jesus is mine. 
He's been my fourth man in the fire, time after time.